This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323read. That's 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I am your host, Reed Murphy. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm let you finish. Who the fuck is that guy? Look at the show. I'm the captain. Welcome to the fucking show. Fuck Scott. That is right, folks. Welcome back. After a, a little bit of a hiatus there, had some COVID issues and some load management kind of things going on, but my name is Scott Elliott, and I am the host of College Shame Day presented by the 323, and there's no better way to come back and get back on the top of that horse than with Big Daddy Reed himself, Reed Murphy. How you doing, Reed? I'm doing good. It's good to be back. It's good to have us. You I know, know. We're all back into a rhythm now. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's just been a lot of stuff going on between, you know, with everything here on the shame day and then everything on the the 323 main channel with Ricks versus Gricks and the hangover show and a lot of stuff going on that everyone's been sick and now we're starting to get into the holiday season. So I think it's it's nice to finally get back into the swing of things now before it gets to the until we all start taking more time off at this point exactly sickness weddings mental health holidays like just everything everything that we've all needed to get Uh, cleared up and i think now we're all healing each other that we're back together that's right (laughs) that is right and we have been missing out on uh, some really wacky and crazy stories that seem to have developments day in and day out and we might as well just get started with the wolverine side story that's been in the room and that's michigan state michigan state the university of michigan wolverines and their alleged sign stealing allegations um i think the newest update i don't know reed if you saw this but they actually went ahead and they fired their linebackers coach chris partridge due to his lack of cooperation with the ncaa investigation so down goes another another coaching staff member (laughs) damn oh boy but those who don't who somehow i've been living under a rock over the last month you know michigan football team faces ncaa investigation for allegedly stealing opponent signs using banned methods somehow this is still a thing in the NCAA, to me, it's scouting. You know, it just doesn't make any sense how they still have this archaic rule in there and dealing with sign stealing and having, you know, representatives of the team going to these games and really trying to pick up on, you know, what these signs mean and what packages are going to run. In me, it just makes so much more sense because in high school, you don't see this at all. You have technology on the sideline where the head coach or the OC can talk directly to the quarterback on the field or the, whoever's on the captain on the defensive side of the field, and then you see it in the NFL. But for some reason, in the middle, in college, you don't see any kind of technology like this. Reed, have you noticed anything like that before? I have not. And I like I like that you bring that up about high school, too, because I've been to a good amount of my alma mater's games this uh, season for Stafford High. Shout out Indians. 
in the couple of games that they won there. But you see all that tech on that sideline and how they're able to manage everything so cleanly there, how cleanly they manage everything in the NFL. What is it with college that they can't get anything, that, they, that they're still having to go back to the things that Jim Harbaugh's dad was doing to cheat and get by? <laughs> right, and I wish I knew a reason why this was still such a big issue for them. Of course, this isn't the first time that the Michigan Wolverines have been under scrutiny by the NCAA. Of course, earlier this season, Jim Harbaugh had that little bit of a hiatus due to some, eh, some what, what, what was it again? It was the um, recruiting stuff. Yeah. And they, he had a little bit of a couple games missed there. And of course, due to this, he does have a three game suspension. He already has one game served last week when they played Penn State but he's not going to be coaching the rest of the regular season this week against my Ireland and then closing out the rest of the year um, against Ohio state. So there's still some game, some big games to be played there in Michigan. So hopefully they hold on, but I think the name that I want to talk about really quick, isn't Jim Harbaugh at all. I think he allegedly was not aware of this, which is kind of crazy to me. If you're the head coach, you don't know about this kind of stuff, but <laughs> But I want to talk about Connor Stallions really quick. The off-field <laughs> analyst has been the person of interest of this NCAA investigation. I mean, he's been accused of scouting opponents and buying tickets for games for not even various Big Ten schools over the past three years, but various schools in general. And there's been rumors circulating that he's been like selling or like handing a lot of these scouting reports over to other teams to further help Michigan out in the, the long run. He's, I think I saw him, they released like his huge manifesto about how Michigan is going to be like the next greatest dynasty in all of college sports. So I don't know if I've ever seen a wackier story in my life than this. You can't talk to me enough about Connor Stallions. Everything about <laughs> the Connor Stallions experience, how well he does his job when it comes to cheating how uh just his how perfect his name is how uh Ugh. who's the michigan running back it's um what's his blake name Corm. blake Corm has like this his own like independent business i saw this as part of the story it's bclc or bclc whatever and on the names the list of names of people involved in that company connor stallions is one of the names on there <laughs> Blake Corm's like I have I know nothing about this I know nothing on there and they're like that's like one of the most obvious names that you could see on something like this the dude is incredible everything about it is incredible with him and he looks he looks like somebody that's cheating out there like I don't know how oh, he gets uh, 100%. out there <laughs> no he does look like some some person's sleazy uncle who's like been sleeping around town on his on like his wife and it's just he's just a weird dude just a weird dude i i saw a couple things of him like talking and i've seen like some some youtube clips of him going over stuff back in the day he's just a a weird guy but i do recommend anybody you know i don't want to dive in too deep because we could spend a whole show just talking about michigan at this point but I do recommend everyone kind of take a deeper look into it if you haven't already, because it is a fascinating story, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And something even more fascinating right now, and another another wacky rule that we have in place in the NCAA about the transition period from the FCS to the FBS and JMU right now. So James Madison, for those who don't know, this is their second year in their transition from playing in the lower level FCS to now in the FBS. They are currently 10-0. and with a 6-0 record in the Sun Belt Conference. 
but because they're still in that commission that that transition period right now they are still not allowed to play a bowl game which is wild to me you would like the ncaa would rather have a six-win team because that's what you need to be bowl eligible as a six-win team to be able to go there rather than having a james madison team which if you have never experienced harrisonburg virginia during football season at James Madison, it is a wild experience. I think having a team like that, I mean, you see it right now. I don't know if you caught Pat McAfee today, Reed, but they're there in Harrisonburg right now at James Madison. And they were saying that this has been one of the greatest kind of campus visits that they've done for the show. So I mean, I'm interested to see what college game day is going to be like. I saw that this uh, I saw that this afternoon. I was watching a little bit of the show, and it just looked so cool. It looked so genuine. They seemed so genuine about how much they were enjoying the time there, and they're gonna have the Jonas Brothers performing a couple of songs there tomorrow. I think PF. I, I've been I've been most curious all week since they announced it of who they were going to get to be the celebrity guest picker for JMU because I looked up the last time mm-hmm. that they did it. I think they've been there twice, and the first time they had like Dirks Bentley was the celebrity guest picker and then the second time i think it was somebody dressed as james madison was the celebrity (laughs) guest picker because they just i think you're right you look at jmu famous alum and it's it's very slim pickings like i don't think charles haley's coming out there to do that right now no um i think they have um it was one of the guys from Barstool or one of the guys from the Pat McAfee show, I thought. I, yeah, it's a it's PFT commentator or PFT commenter. That's right. Yeah, which you you say that it could be Barstool or Pat McAfee. They, I mean, so many of those guys just all look the same to me. It's right. all the same mullet and everything coming around. Well, it's like, and it's gonna be it's gonna be hurting my brain now. But there is a what's her name? There's a sports analyst that came from JMU, and I can't remember what her name is right now i i think it's uh lindsey zarniak she used to be on a that's it used to do nbc4 and then she was on sports center i think she does nascar stuff now yeah get her out there yeah i love her i love Lindsay. she's so awesome she was always awesome in dc i couldn't remember her name but yeah i agree (laughs) but yeah no and, and what's even more crazy about this situation yes they did get denied for their appeal that they had put in to the NCAA. But what's even crazier is that the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Myers threatens legal action against the NCAA if the decision isn't overturned and reversed. I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, you have College Game Day and ESPN going there. You have Pat McAfee being there. It's it's a huge game. It's versus Appalachian State, which those of you who watch NCAA know Appalachian State is one of those sneakier, small, mid-major teams that kind of come out of nowhere and they end up shocking teams. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if JMU falls to them this weekend. But I mean, over the first 20 games, they're 17 and three. Um, and at this point, the only way that they can be, a, they're going to be permissible like they're going to be invited to one of these bowl games is if they don't have enough teams that meet the requirements, which is wild to me to think that you need more teams to be under six wins rather than just putting a team in at 10 and 0 at this point. Right. Right. This is like, it's kind of going back to the, uh, what was the situation with UCF a few years back when they were struggling to try and get, you know, just, just to get into the college football playoff mm-hmm. conversation and everything. It's it's hard when you have this many schools around, but JMU is not only undefeated, but like a very, very competitive and impressive undefeated team. You would love to see them get more opportunities. Right, and I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, 
we, we've already talked about how they're not going to have the extended playoff next season due to multitude of different reasons stemming from the Pac-12 and media rights deals and things like that. But I think right now, with it only still being four slots going to that college football playoff, you have five teams right now at 10-0 and 0 between Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. If you want to throw JMU in that mix at 10-0, and 0, I mean, they should be at that point in that mix of the top 10 teams. Maybe not at six or seven, but definitely in the top 10. Oh, yeah. But if you do that, then look at these teams that you're going to be bunny out of potential college football playoff bursts. Alabama's at nine and one, Texas at nine and one, Oregon's at nine and one. I mean, hell, Louisville's nine and one. So you have a lot of these teams that you know these pundits would rather have in the college football playoff than JMU. But I think it's just one of those archaic rules, like we talked about with the whole alleged sign stealing scouting of teams that hopefully eventually changes. But I think one thing that doesn't change is being paid for a mediocre job. (laughs) Mediocre. (laughs) What's what I want to pay being paid for a mediocre performance for your job. Yes. And you don't see that more than Jimbo Fisher. Reed, I know I've talked to you multiple times about Jimbo Fisher. I know you have a lot to say. Is there anything you want to get off your chest now before we dive deep into this coaching carousel that has already begun? Oh, it's just that Jimbo Fisher has the, has the lane carved out like he has it better than anybody I think in the sport urban Meyer has shit to him like there's like there's like a there's an ick factor to urban Meyer if you're gonna coach him Jimbo Fisher like he's just he's perfectly mid like he's a mid coach that's you know getting paid millions and mil like he's getting paid he's made more I think over the last few years than Jameis Winston made getting into oh, the I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I think that I think he has made more just off of his Texas A and M deal than that. He's the Daniel Jones of college football coach coaches. Exactly. And it and it <laughs> and it's also just wild to me how schools get this amount of money to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. Like Texas A and M Texas A and M, I don't know really how much of the history is there, but were they really a, a type of school to consider a major powerhouse before Johnny Manziel. Cause I've heard Johnny Manziel argue uh, that he kind of built the foundation of what Texas A&M is right now and what they've been thought of the last few years or the last decade. I mean, yes and no, but you got to remember that uh, Ryan Tannehill with a and mm-hmm. I mean, there was some relevance there. I think Texas A&M is, it's just been, they've been around for so long that they've all they've always been in that top top two or three texas teams you know you got them you got texas you got texas tech who can kind of do things here and there and then you know you want to suck in oklahoma into that whole kind of conversation as well they've just been kind of on top in that big 12 kind of conversation i mean i don't i wouldn't say that they've been elite like a texas but I mean, you have when you have players like Miles Garrett and Mike Evans and Von Miller and Jake Matthews coming out of Texas A&M. I mean, they definitely are a powerhouse when it comes to produ- to producing NFL talent. That's for sure. And they somehow still are able to grab a lot of these five star, four star kids coming out of high school and just reloading. So the attraction there is it's it's there for Texas A&M. Where I I don't see how it's there, but they must have a hell of a recruiting kind of department. Mm-hmm. It's gotta but be they're not one. well and see what's crazy too about Jimbo it's like you want to talk about and he is set up now for 
the foreseeable future. I looked into this. So he's, he's, it's a $77.6 million buyout. Yes. Uh, he do 19.4 within 60 days. So within two months, he's going to get a, a damn near $20 million paycheck. And then within 120 days, he's going to get another 7.27 million. And that's it for this year. And yes. then between 2026 and 2031, he's going to get another $7.27 million. Oh my God. To not coach, to not do, to not do anything. He's making more in one year than I, if I stayed at my current position in my job that I would ever see in my lifetime to and, not do something. And, 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 and so we should give context to the people. Jimbo Fisher got fired after, after yes, that last, Jimbo after that Fisher, last game. the longtime mediocre head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies who I have had bad blood against him ever since he got that bag and ran from Florida state in 2016 following 2016 season. So fuck you, Jimbo, but also fuck you, Jimbo to getting all this money for doing nothing. But it's wild. But did you see how it happened? Because I think, I think we talked about it earlier before, like there was an expectation that Jimbo would get fired at some point. But I think because of that buyout, a lot of people wondered like, how can they do it this year? It's probably going to be another year. Yep. that he'll stand there. But they get this win over Mississippi State. Did you hear about the halftime presentation that occurred? No, I did not see this, so I'm excited to so share it. This is according to uh, fansided.com, where people were wondering how A&M's athletic director, Ross Bjork, and the rest of that community came up with the money for this, you know, the $76.5 million buyout. Coincidentally, during halftime of the game, of what went up being Jimbo's final game, Texas A&M was presented by the 12th Man Foundation donors with a check for just a hair over $160 million. The next Jesus. day, Jimbo gets a pink slip. <laughs> so you wonder if they just decide they're like right there. They're like, we can't keep we can't keep doing this. Like this is here you go. Here's right. the money. Some oil barons came in. They're like, take the money. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like if if you're Texas A&M and you're that athletic, that just athletic director and everyone there just saying, hey, we can't get rid of them. It's going to cost too much money. We need you guys to pony up some more money so we can get them out of there. If that's been the only stipulation and then you get that check, you can't be like, well, we still can't do it now. No, you, you have to do it. So the decision was already made at halftime. That's hilarious. Oh, and coincidentally, <laughs> the coach on the other sideline also got fired. Zach Arnett from Mississippi State. Oh, so damn. Maybe they just handed some money over to they're like, hey, let's all revel in this for a minute. But I mean, so the current openings right now, you have, you know, Texas AM, you got Mississippi State, then you have San Diego State, who just fired uh, Brady Hoke. Uh, Boise State uh, fired Andy, uh, uh, what's his last name? Avalos, Andy Avalos, yeah. and then Michigan State earlier with Mel Tucker. Um, as of the, as of Wednesday or Thursday, Northwestern, then they fired Pat Fitzgerald. They did have interim head coach David Braun there, but he's actually been officially hired. So congratulations to David Braun on getting that position. Hopefully he can clean up that whole institution, Northwestern, with their hazing scandals and things of that nature. But, Reed, after I saw that huge price tag that came attached to Jimbo Fisher, I really wanted to look into some other big names that got paid to suck at their job um <laughs> following jim so jimbo fisher is obviously number one at number two it's gus Malzahn from auburn who got paid out 21.4 million so 
compared to 77, that's jump change. It's nothing. Gods. Uh, Charlie Weiss, another failed Bill Belichick coaching tree coach uh, from Notre Dame. He got paid out 18.9. Steamboat Willie Taggart himself from Florida State, we paid him 18, but thankfully we didn't have to pay him the full amount because we were smart enough to have some exit clause built in that contract, which I don't understand why a lot of these schools don't do. And now that we're talking about that, Reed, how isn't there anything in these contracts so they don't pay out this amount of money? Because this, this is ridiculous because not only do they have to pay this amount of money to Jimbo to not coach, but now they're going to pay somebody to coach the team. Like, right. how do these teams even start getting away with this? They just, I, that's what I, and I've always wondered that, especially with your school, with FSU, after seeing like those back to backs of Jimbo and Willie. Like, where and does this why, money like, just keep coming from? Well, it's like in following, um, Mike Norvell's first season there in Florida State following Willie Taggart and the whole fan base was calling to get him paid out. I'm talking to people from like a rational point of view. I'm like, we can't afford it. We can't we can't buy out another coach. Like it's either he's gonna he's gonna make it work and we'll extend them or he's gonna run out the contract and we'll just fire it again, fire it up again in another couple of years. But um after Willie Taggart, you got Tom Herman there at Texas at 15.4 mil. Will Muschamp at South Carolina got 12.9. Todd Graham in Arizona State got 12.8. Jim Mora, who I completely forgot was even a, a human being. I haven't heard that name in God knows how long. He got paid $12 million from UCLA. Larry Fedora from UNC got 12. Chad Morris from Arkansas got 10.1. And another Texas A&M coach who I felt was wrongfully fired in the first place was Kevin Sumlin back in the day when he got paid out 9.9. .9. And I think that's what started kind of playing into the whole Jimbo Fisher being fired talk because – his record started matching a lot with Kevin Sumlin. And for me, if you're going to be firing Kevin Sumlin for that, then Jimbo needs to go too. But I agree. I digress. But all I know, Reed, is that I need to find my way onto one of these co college coaching staffs and just post a 500 record somehow, and I'll have a payday. I, I listen, listen, we have 323U. We need a coach. We need a new coach. Fear the cupcakes. Fear the cupcakes. Fear the cupcakes. Let's get Jim. Let's get Connor Stallions as our coach. We can get. I here. love it. We can get Connor Stallions and Chip. Chip, we can get Chip Kelly. You can come run that high tempo offense oh, for us. That'll be that would be great. You know, maybe one day, you know, the three two three U will end up on the shameful late. But for right now, there is some uh, there is some tight races going on right now for the college football playoff and things of that nature. So let's just get into the shameful late now. How about that? Let's do it. That is right, folks. The Shameful Eight. Man, the... I don't know what it is about this music, Reed. It just gets me all pumped up. It does for me, too. Man, it's just so, it's just so different, but one thing that isn't different is Alabama is there in the top eight. I thought they were dead to rights earlier on this year, but they have somehow scratched and clawed their way back. I have them at number eight at nine and one. They completely embarrassed the University of Kentucky on the road 49-21 last week. But they're closing out the season at home against Chattanooga this week and then at Auburn on the road. And then they finish the season home against Georgia. I think there's going to be a lot on the line on that very last game of the season with Alabama and Georgia. So I'm excited to see that. Moving on from eight, number seven, we have Texas at nine and one. They barely squeaked by, by TCU on the road, 29 to six. But of course, they're closing out the season on the road against Iowa State and at home against Texas Tech. So I don't see it a world where they don't win those two games. 
they're really going to need it if they want to kind of try to squeak in there into that top four spot. Oregon. This is the team I think is going to make their way into that college football playoff, even if they do end up only having one loss. I mean, they beat UNC, they beat USC at home last week, 36 to 27. They're closing out the season this week on the road against Arizona State, which trap game. Don't be confused. Don't get it twisted. I could see Arizona State squeaking in some upset victory there. But then they're at home against Oregon State. But like I said, I think the college football playoff committee is going to really have to look into these teams a lot deeper and try to figure out some kind of justification to resumes. But I do see Oregon. If any one win, if any one lost team gets in, it's probably going to end up being Oregon. Move on to that. We got number five. We got Ohio State at ten and zero. They completely crushed Michigan State thirty to three last week at home, closing out the season out against Minnesota at home, and then Michigan on the road. That's another great end of the season game there. But in the top four, we got the Washington Huskies at the Pac-12 still staying alive. Squeaked away with the win last week over Utah, 35 to 28. They're closing out the season against Oregon State on the road and then at home against Washington State, who, Reed, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see that the judge upheld the ruling for Oregon State and Washington State to yep. be the only members on the board for the Pac 12? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's a story that kind of, I guess, with everything else going on between, you know, JMU here in Virginia and then Michigan nationally. This is something that kind of squeaked by. Now, I think part of the stipulation was that the other Pac-12 members can be a part of the decision-making process, but the ultimate decision is up to Oregon State and Washington State. So good good job to them. It's a great victory for the little guys. I'm excited to see what's going to be happening here in the future there at the Pac-12. At number three, it's everyone's favorite team, and that's the Florida State Seminoles at 10-0. They beat Miami in a close call, 27 to 20 last week. They're closing out the season this week against North Alabama, which Reed, I didn't know North Alabama was even a school. I did not either. There's a North Alabama. I don't even know. It's, I, they're, they got a football team. They they got one, so. Oh, well, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody from North Alabama. They uh, have them at home this week, but then they're on the road next week against the Florida Gators there in Gainesville. At number two, we got the Georgia Bulldogs completely demolishing Ole Miss at home 51 to 17, closing the season out on the road against Tennessee, which that's another game I could see getting an upset victory with Tennessee over Georgia. And then they're on the road against Georgia Tech and then at home against Alabama. So you could see a very, you very well could see a 10 0 Georgia team dropping two games at the end of the season to not even be in that playoff, which would be a wild scenario. And at, at n- number one, this is the number one team in the country. Even if you want to ask the media, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, 10 and 0. They beat Penn State on the road, 24 to 15. They're closing out the season against Maryland and at home at, at Ohio State. But like I said earlier, they, this will be without head coach Jim Harbaugh. But other than the Ohio State game, I don't see Maryland being that big of an issue, even if they're on the road. And Ohio State and Ryan Day, I mean, talk about the scummiest of scumbags. I mean, I guess that's just what happens when you're from Ohio. I think that's I think that's a that's another twist that we didn't add on to this whole Michigan thing, Reed. Did you see that allegedly the private investigator for this Michigan story is somehow connected to Ryan Day, I think through marriage or I guess a brother-in-law or something like that? What the hell? 
Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know how I don't know how factual that source was that I read, but that was that's an interesting little add to that if that is true. How is it that Jim Harbaugh is going to lead Michigan to their best season and like coach only four games? Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, I guess he's going to be around for the playoff, which will be nice for him, but whatever. Uh, but that is the shameful eight folks going from top to bottom. We got Michigan at one, Georgia two, Florida state, Washington, Ohio state, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama. There are a lot of teams I wanted to kind of throw in there. Louisville has been having a great end of the season surge. I could see them in that top eight conversation here soon. Um, you still have that two lost Penn state team that could squeak in here at some point. Um, this season is far from over at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see. And there's actually been some shakes up in the, in the Heisman watch to read as well. I don't know if you've been paying attention to some of these performances, but um, I think it's about time to give some love to the tight end, not just your tight end read, but Brock Bowers tight end from Georgia. I think when you have a generational talent like Brock Bowers there in Georgia, I mean, last week he posted three for 34 and a touchdown versus Ole Miss. I think when that offense was clicking as it was, you don't really need to rely on him. Yes, he's missed two games due to injury, but on the year he has posted 44 receptions for 601 yards and five touchdowns. You can't ask for more production out of a tight end than that. I love Brock Bowers. Oh, I I am very excited to see where he ends up. I think right now my super too way too early draft board because it changes week to week with how wacky the NFL season's been going. I think I've been having him tracking kind of around where the commanders are. I think the commanders oh. could really use a stud at tight end oh, like Brock Bowers. So especially if we still had Eric B in that, you know, Kansas city kind of offense to put Brock Bowers in a Kelsey like system. Right. Well, it's like I said, I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys kind of tying Malik neighbors from LSU to you guys, but I think with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and some of the other wide receivers you guys have, I don't think that's really an issue. Yeah. I think getting a tight end in there who can be that future Gronkowski 3.0 at this point, I think that would be more important. Moving at number four on the Heisman watch list, we have Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, last week he posted seven receptions for 149 yards, two touchdowns versus that Michigan State Spartan team on the year. 59 receptions for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. He he has to work in the NFL next season, right? Like, has it has to. to happen. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any miss potential there with him. See, now, do you see? could you see a world where the Colts somehow get away with him? Wouldn't that and be And bring something? him there? Wouldn't that be I mean, you, I mean, I think now, especially with how, like, our generation, you're starting to see a lot of these athletes that we watched growing up through middle school and high school, and now their kids are starting to come through college and going to the NFL. I think most recently, recently you saw uh, Joey Porter Jr. get drafted to the Steelers where his dad played. Um, and then there's numerous others. Asante Samuel Jr. is out there. He plays for the Chargers. I think pairing up Marvin Harrison Jr. with Anthony Richardson would be a very fun team to watch. And then you still have Michael Pittman there. Yeah. That would be a very interesting offense to watch. Well, now that Joe Burrow's uh, out, he'll just wind up in Cincinnati and uh... – <laughs> Paired up with Jamar Chase, he'll be he'll be their replacement for T. Higgins. Uh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I don't even want to think about. That. Oh, but speaking about quarterbacks, number three, Jaden Daniels. I think he's been slept on this year. I mean, last week, seventeen for twenty six, three hundred and seventy yards and three touchdowns versus Florida. I think I'm very impressed with what I've been seeing out of him as far as 
not relying so much on his legs. Um, so far on the year passing, he's posted over 71% completion rating for over 3,100 3, yards, 30 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Um, I think he is that prototypical quarterback that NFL teams are kind of looking for who can beat you with your legs, but his his throwing game has really developed nicely there in LSU. And another quarterback that's going to be in this top, potentially top 10 picks next year in the draft, that's Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. Last week, 24 for 42, 330 yards, two touchdowns versus Utah. On the year, 68% completion rating. Completion percentage, 3,500 yards passing, 28 touchdowns and seven picks. Reed, I didn't think he was ever going to get dethroned. I thought he was going to stay on top of this on the Heisman watch list from now until eternity, especially with what was going on in USC. Oh, yeah. 100%. But you know what? Just like my favorite fried chicken spot, it's bow time, baby. And that's oh, Bo Nix. Wow. Bo Nix in Oregon, I have at number one right now. 23 for 31 for 400 yards and four touchdowns against that lackluster USC defense. But on the year, 77.7% completion percentage, 3,100 yards, 29 touchdowns, and two picks. It ha it has to go to Bo, right? It has to. I mean, he's been there long enough. He's <laughs> He's been working at it long enough now. <laughs> Boy is like, oh, Bo is like, it's got to be like 40 at this oh, point there in Oregon. <laughs> He was playing when Justin Herbert was at Oregon. Like, yeah. <laughs> Justin Herbert's what? His co his rookie contract's almost up? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. But, yeah, no, I think, hey, if anything, the the longevity of these college players were definitely graced by COVID getting that free extra year. And then you throw in the redshirt status on there as well. I mean, a lot of these guys got an extra two, potentially three years of playing time. Um, but, if anything, it's probably helped him more at this point to – market himself for being an NFL ready quarterback. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen towards the end of the year. I don't see a lot of shakeups happening between now and then maybe a couple of squeakers replacing like Brock Bowers at five or Marvin Harrison down there. But I think it's going to come down to these three quarterbacks, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. And Jane Daniels. But game of the week this week, or actually game of the week last week, because we didn't get the cover this last week because Scott was on some load management last week. We took a little bit of a break, but I did keep you guys updated there on the College Shame Day Instagram page at college at 323 College Shame Day. Check it out. Um, me and Reed have been chewing on some interesting things coming down the pipeline, so stay tuned there. Um, but last week we did have number three Michigan at number 10 Penn State. Michigan came to the victory at 24 to 15. Talk about a crappy stat line. Did you see Penn State's Drew Alar stat line from last week, Reed? Really? It was atrocious. Um, I mean, when you have a quarterback who's only throwing for, I, I have to double check that number because that was, there's no way that was a real. No, it was. <laughs> Seven for, no, it was 10, 10 for 22 and 70 yards. For one touchdown. Jesus. But I mean, you look on the other side of the ball with J.G. McCarthy. He was seven for eight for 60 yards. But that's because Michigan ran 32 straight run plays. The last pass attempt they had in that game was at the seven minute and 41 second mark in the second quarter. Blake Corum, they threw that whole workload on his back. He went for 26 for 145 and two touchdowns. Did you see his post his press conference post game with that huge gash on his face? No. 
but I did. I it, saw everything with their uh, interim coach. That that was nice and annoying for. Oh me. yeah, you want to talk about what? 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 You want to talk about? Well, I just don't. Poor man alone. I just don't like. He's crying. He's like, I love the shit out of him. I love the shit out of Coach Harbaugh. Shut up, man. Like they're acting like they all have this victim mentality that they're going with. When you cheated, everybody knows you cheated. You did shit that was, and, and it's not. It's not the most absurd thing in the world, but. Don't start don't start acting like, oh, he doesn't deserve this. And then you know he goes and accepts the three game suspension. He's like, shit, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> so now he's gonna do this every game. He's gonna cry and go viral every fucking game. So what you're saying is you don't like people crying. I don't like tears. I don't like sob stories. It's what got me out of reality okay. competition shows. Oh, well, fair enough. Uh <laughs> but this week, you know, like we talked about early college game days at JMU, and rightfully so. I think they deserve all the recognition that they possibly can have. But when it comes to game of the week, Reed, um, you have to remember that it's more than just a game. You know, of course, a couple of weeks ago we did that nod to to the military with the the Navy and the Air Force game. Um, I think this is another week where we really need to tip the cap to two players specifically who I hold very near and dear to my heart, who I will commend until the day I die. And that is Jordan Travis and Jameis Winston. So this week, College Shame Day's Game of the Week is traveling to Tallahassee to watch the Florida State Seminoles go up against that North Alabama team who I thought wasn't even real. And the reason why, like I said, it's more than just football. This is Jordan Travis's last ever game there at Doak. Through his career at Florida State, posted a 62.5 completion percentage, 8,600 yards passing, 65 touchdowns, and 19 interceptions. This is a kid who transferred from Louisville. He's been another one of those guys who seem to have been playing for the past decade uh, between redshirt statuses that he's been able to attain and COVID years. He's played for two different coaches. So seeing him just scrap and claw and get to where he's at right now and looking to be not only in the Heisman conversation, but being in the NFL draft conversation. Really great job there, Mr. Travis. But Jameis Winston, Reed knows exactly how I feel about famous Jameis. They are retiring his number five jersey, and rightfully so. He'll be joining the likes of Fred Blitnikov, Rob Sellers, Ron Simmons, primetime Deion Sanders, Charlie Ward, Work Dunn, Chris Wanky, Derek Brooks, Terrell Buckley, Marvin Jones, and Peter Work. Reed, I don't know if there's any other names you would want to be tied to than those. That's a great list, and and he's he's very deserving of it. He's still one of the best quarterbacks I've ever watched play college football. Right, and I mean, he led that 2013 Florida State team to the national championship as a freshman. I mean, on his career, 66% completion rating, 7,900 yards passing, 65 and 28 touchdown to interceptions, but not only did he get that national championship there in Tallahassee, he was also the ACC offensive and player of the year, the AP player of the year, all American. He won the Davey O'Brien. He won the Manning. He won the Walter camp and he won the Heisman. So I couldn't think of another player in Florida state history that is more deserving than him to get that Jersey retired. So congratulations to Jameis, but on a lighter note, Lames of the week. We had Ball State and Northern Illinois University, another school I didn't know was real. They played last week. Ball State won 20 to 17. And in a game that I'm going to call the mid bowl, because these teams are very mid, it's Baylor at TCU. Baylor's three and seven, TCU's four and six. If you want to see mediocre play, I would say go turn that game on. I wouldn't waste my time, but hey, I'm not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, folks, but that just brings us to the end of today. To the funnest segment I think I've seen on any college show. And that is the Wheel of Degenerate. New folks out there listening for the first time, Wheel of Degenerate, take all games, include a top 25 team, throw it on the wheel, trust the fate, spin it five times, and whatever teams those land on, those are going to be the games that I'll be putting together a quick five-game parlay. Throw, eh, put some scratch in there, maybe like 10 bucks or so. See what we can win. We have been on the cusp of hitting this parlay read. I think the last couple weeks that we've been doing this, we've been hitting the four out of five, the three out of five. We haven't had a stinky week just yet. USC has been definitely biting us in the ass at this point. So thankfully, they won't be included this week. Into this parlay, but let's get the wheel up and running. Reed, look at that! Look at that wheel! That nice official wheel, clean man. Couldn't ask for more. Nope. Let's close the ad. But Reed, I am ready when you are. Let's give this thing a spin. Let's get it. Oh man, what will who do we get? got up first on the wheel? Oh no, we were. So for those who listen to the latest installment of Ricks versus Bricks. This is a game we kind of <laughs> tipped our cap at a little bit ago. That was Illinois at number 16, Iowa. I'm not sure who I want to pick to win the game, but if I were to give anyone a recommendation right now, it would be to take the under because Iowa does not like scoring points for whatever reason. That's right. And that's another friendly reminder to everyone listening. I will not give you the winners of these games. You have to go to the College Shame Day 323 Instagram page. To find it, I'll usually post it around, I don't know, 11, 11.30, whenever I feel like giving you guys that information. Ooh, Reed, look at that one. Louisville at Number Miami. 10, Louisville at Coral Gables University. Oh, I mean Miami. <laughs> That's going to be a great one. I'm really impressed with what's been going there in Louisville, and I couldn't be happier to see the failure there in Miami. So that's going to be a fun game to bet on. Spin number three. We got some great games coming up this week, that's for sure. Really do. Better than the NFL week, I think. Oh, I'm excited for this Saturday, especially this game. Tipped at it earlier, five number five Washington at 11 Oregon State. I think this could very well be a trap game for Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies. Oregon State plays very, very well at home. Mm-hmm. So I would be very nervous if I was one of these Huskies fans. 100%. Oh, boy. Number four, what else we got coming up? Oh, here we go. This is the game that I was hoping was going to come up. Did we get it? Number one, Georgia at number 18, Tennessee. See, whenever I think of Tennessee now, just think about what they did to Bama last year in that big moment when you're taking on one of these massive teams. Mm -hmm. Can they do it again? Like like I said earlier, man, Georgia, they, they close out the season against Tennessee this week, and then they got Alabama at the end of the year. I mean, they definitely are on red alert. But did you see um, Missouri's head coach going up to Tennessee's head coach at the end of their game? Um, last year, Tennessee scored a last-minute touchdown. They won, like, by, a, like, a 30-point margin, and they scored a last-minute touchdown with, like, virtually no time left to kind of rub it in a little bit. So when Missouri came back and they beat Tennessee, head coach goes up, shakes his hands like that's we stand on business here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, here we go. Oh, well, let's give it last one last final spin. Handshakes get so uh, just petty and brutal. 
Oh, they get. Oh, it's. I. I but I'm for it. I am all for it. Oh, here we go. There we go. That's a good matchup. This is this is an interesting game. Number 21, Kansas State at number 25, Kansas. This could go either way, Reed. I don't even know what I'd want to do with this. I've been really impressed with Kansas State lately. They've really stepped up here at the end of the season. Yes, that is very true. And it's like those two teams, Kansas State and Kansas, they always just they always just flirt with success in college football. And of course, they're traditionally always really well known as the blue bloods there, especially Kansas in college basketball. So like one of these days, they're going to have to break through, right? At, at some point, they will. They're getting closer and closer. I, I like everything that they've been putting together lately. Oh, boy. But just to recap, everyone, the five picks that will be going to the college shame days, Wheel of Degenerate betting slip this week. We got number 10, Louisville at Miami. Number one, Georgia at 18, Tennessee. Illinois at number 16, Iowa. Number 21, Kansas State at 25, Kansas. And to round it all out, number five, Washington at 11, Oregon State. And always remember, don't miss out on any of the excitement. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages at 323 College Shame Day. And you can also find Reed at 323 Reed on Facebook or Instagram. Subscribe to the 323 Network on YouTube and wherever you may catch your podcasts all major podcast platforms read where do you listen to your podcast on i i'm a spotify guy i'm a spotify, See, I'm a spotify guy. guy too i yeah. know that's two for two for spotify but who are we to tell these people where to go look you can leave great reviews on apple but if you go if you go on spotify we have great polls and fun questions that we put with every show now so that's that's absolutely correct yes join the conversation be a part of a growing community of sports enthusiasts and Keep in mind, it's not just sports we talk about. Me, Reed, and Zoo had a really great off-mic conversation last night about Marvel Cinematic Universes and potential fan theories and things like that. So the KKK. Always catch the KKK came up. Got, it's not the KKK you would think of. You never know what we're no, going to talk about. You'll, you'll never know what we were talking about. But either way, like I tell you guys each and every week, if you're not going to be good, be good at it. Have a very shameful day. See you next time. Buck Scott. Yeah, I like that. Good shit.